Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the TriStar Takedown with Mitch Davis and Jake Nichols, a comprehensive look at athletics across the state of Tennessee, from Memphis to Bristol and all across I-40. We are your source for all things sports in the TriStar state. I'm Jake Nichols. So, Mitch, let's go ahead and get rolling. How you doing, buddy? What's up, buddy? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. So I think we're going to go ahead and get things started off in the 901 Mitch, I believe you have something for us with the 901 Sandlot that we're going to go ahead and get rolling with. Yeah, we'll, uh, we, we can definitely start with Sandlot 901. This is my baby. Shout out to Doug Young for being the founder and basically the founder of it. And I'm the co-founder and media relations guy. So Sandlot 901, we're going to start rocking and rolling on Wednesday of next week. We are going to be doing basically it's like a battle camp. It's pitchers versus batters. Pay 25 bucks a day. You come out, you play the game of baseball, and it gives, you know, pitchers 25 pitches per inning, gives batters unlimited amounts of hits, and you're going to be charted. You're going to be videoed. You're going to be playing in front of college coaches and scouts. Sandlot 901 is the place to be. We're going to be playing at Gaglione Fields in Memphis, right off Mount Mariah Road and Southfields. It's where Lausanne plays baseball. So basically what we're going to do, you come out, you play the game of baseball, and but instead of going to travel around all the all over the world, you come out. You it's a lot cheaper than travel ball, and you know, it, it it gives these kids a great opportunity to come out and play the game of baseball and have the opportunity to play in a controlled environment and play 25 pitches per inning or have unlimited hits per inning, and you you only pay 25 bucks per day to come out and play the game of baseball. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I think it's going to be really fun. I, we're really excited to. Started. We're all over on Facebook. Just type it in. You are all on Facebook or on Twitter. Type in Sandlot901. It's actually a lot of fun. What we're going to be doing, what I'm going to be doing, is be giving these guys an opportunity to be played in front of a, you know, a, a broadcaster. I'm going to be doing play-by-play play for these guys. I'm going to be saying, hey, strike one, strike two. I'm going to be teaching these kids how to interview, teaching these guys, you know, because, Jake, I know you know and I know what coaches like to hear from 16, 17-year-old kids and I'm going to be giving these kids an opportunity also along with playing baseball, but also to interview and learn how to properly enunciate the words and properly carry themselves both on and off the field. And I think Sandlot 901 is the future of baseball in the Southeast. Man, you're making me almost want to come down there and start swinging the bat. And I'm watching. Hey, come up. on, man. We'll have, a, we'll have an alumni game for you. We'll have a media game. How's that? We'll have a media <laughs> home run derby. We'll get some of these kids that can probably strike us out. I say kids because we're like 22, 23. We're like five years older than these guys are. So, I mean, they are kids to us, at least five, six years. So, the kids to us, we'll have them pitch to us. We'll have a media game sometime, and it'll be fun, man. Come down, down to the 901. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, you might uh, you might end up watching me strike out a little too much, but yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, you'll be uh, you'll be looking like your Atlanta Braves a little bit out there then. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know I had to throw well, a little something in there about the also, Braves because you're. I don't, don't want to hear anything. Acuna did well in the home run derby. They're in first right now. I'm a happy man. I feel you. I mean, but you do have to understand because Memphis is Memphis Redbird and St. Louis Cardinal area. We oh, just I know, like, I know. We don't like the Braves, so you know this is a Memphis. This is the Memphis slot. So shout out to the Cardinals. There's like what second place, tied for second place with the Brewers and the Cubs, I think. So they're right there at it. I think it should be a fun rest of the year for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Memphis Redbirds. But you don't. Really- 
really have much room to talk because the most exciting thing for the Cardinals this season was whenever a guy from another team hit a home run, whenever Pujols knocked it. <laughs> I have absolutely no comment about that <laughs> because the Cardinals have so many injuries and they keep coming down to Memphis. This is why Memphis has won, what, two straight Pacific Coast championships and one straight national championship. So, I mean, hey, shout out to the Redbirds, like the best team in minor league baseball all across the board, better than Nashville Sounds, better than the Smokies up there in Knoxville. I mean, Memphis Redbirds baseball is where it's at. And unfortunately, we lost our manager, Stubby Clap. But hey, that's all good. We're still like first place in the Pacific right now. Yeah, good, but at the expense of the big club. But, you know, it is what it is. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you knew it was yeah. coming. I knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. So with that, um, I think the first thing we had talked about going over on the agenda this afternoon was is it remaining still in the 901, but switching over to the hardwood. Man, let's talk a little Memphis Grizzlies. Man, I absolutely love what the administration is doing. Like, I, I know you're probably looking in from the outside from Knoxville, but the excitement level around the Grizzlies is is phenomenal. You know, I'm excited about John Moran. I really am. And, you know, the question I'm going to ask you, though, and I've asked a bunch of people this, do you honestly think that Andre Iguodala will ever wear that Memphis Bill Street blue and play for the Grizzlies someday? I think so. I think that um, that the one question that they've had right now, considering that he's on the roster, is Dwight Howard because he seems like he's one that I think is um, almost certainly going to end up just in a trade that they're kind of holding on to for now. But I do think that Iguodala will end up in a Memphis jersey at some point, um, at least on the floor. But just because I think that they did do enough to clear um, enough other guys, obviously, with the debacle of Mike Conley. They had to bring in some new faces, and I think they were able to do that well. You know, obviously not just Iguodala, but somebody else to go with Jaron Jackson. They've got Grayson Allen, Jay Crowder, obviously <laughs> John Morant. So I think they're really able to put the pieces together now, and especially um, with a new coach, I think there's a pretty bright outlook over there at the Forum. Funny you mentioned Grayson Allen, because I was going to, this was my next question for you, Jake. I'm not a fan of Grayson Allen. Are you a fan of Grayson Allen? Because I, you know, I go back to his Duke days and him tripping everybody. I'm just not a big fan of Grayson Allen. Like, he just – his game, I mean, I think he averaged, what, eight or nine points out there in Utah. It really didn't offer much. I mean, out of the entire trade for Mike Conley, do you actually think Grayson Allen was part of it or is even worth it? I think that to an extent he is. I think that as far as maybe putting more people in the seat, not just to see Jaw, not just to see Jaron Jackson or Iguodala, but to see – kind of maybe even a bad um, image that you might want to get a look at in those first few games this season. And I think that Grayson Allen fits that just because he may not be the most productive player off the bench, but he's definitely going to stir up some controversy. And he's someone that, that while it may not be good in the long run, is still good to have just as far as production, um, just full publicity in those first few days, just because you know that he's going to kind of be a voice out of that um, out of that group. Now let's talk about two more power forward guys, big men, Dwight Howard and Miles Plumlee. What do you think about these guys coming on? I'm not a big fan of the Dwight Howard bring on because he is so old and he is kind of over the hill. Do you kind of how do, how do you feel about this Miles Plumlee and Dwight Howard? Um, I'm not real big on Dwight Howard either because I do think that he's 
obviously well past his uh, his best days. But I do like the addition of Miles Plumlee. I'm really interested to see um, just kind of two different eras of Duke basketball, how he and Grayson Allen are going to match up and practice and just maybe on the floor if they ever get to see some playing time together. You know, I totally forgotten Miles Plumlee went to Duke. I originally, because he's from Indiana, I originally thought he went to IU. Now, one of the Plumlee kids did go to Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like Mason Plumlee or one of them went to IU. But I, I, I thought it was Miles for a second, but you're right. He, it was definitely not Miles. He went to the Dukies. Right. So next up, here's the thing. WGC championship in the in – the, I, I know we said we were probably going to talk about this, but I'm excited because guess who just committed to play for the WGC? Justin Thomas. The Justin Thomas, baby. And that adds on to an already impressive field with Brooks Kepka, with Bryce Dembo, and all these other great golfers coming to the city of Memphis to play in a world golf championship. Like this is – you're actually going to come down for a day. I'm going to be there covering it. This is going to be awesome. Like, this event is like a Masters or like a PGA Championship. Like, this is going to be something that you and I are probably going to remember for the rest of our lives. And Brooks Kepka coming fresh off an SB last night. So, shout out to that. Speaking of Brooks Kepka, the worst outfit of the entire SBs had to be his girlfriend's with the little malfunction. I don't know if you saw that on the red carpet. Speaking of Brooks, if, if he does, like, You'll have to go look it up because we have to keep it, you know, G-rated on this. But mm-hmm. his girlfriend had a malfunction on the on on the war, on the on the SB's red carpet. It was kind of like a the Super Bowl. Who was it? Janet Jackson or somebody like that? Where the the wardrobe malfunction and they had to kind of improvise. It was kind of like that. I saw it on a couple sources last night on the internet. And I was like, oh no! I hope she cleans it up before she gives it to Memphis because, lordy, that's a that that was a bad slip up for her. Oh, I'll do you one better. I saw something earlier today. Now, um, I will say that, let's just say the image was not totally clear, but apparently the same thing happened to one certain Megan Rapino last night. Really? I yes. did not eat, like, I did not even, speaking of Megan Rapino, shout out to our girls' women's soccer team. Yes. Like, oh, it's not the state of Tennessee, but... Dude, they kicked butt. Like it was like that wasn't even it wasn't even remotely close. It was, hey, we're here to kick your butt and we're here to stay. I don't care about all the politics. I know people might call into the show or tweet us or whatever and say, blah, 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 blah. Well, you guys shouldn't be supportive of this. Dude, I don't care. Like, they kicked butt. They they brought yeah, nope. in a time where we don't have anything to cheer on because like we're both desperate for college football, which is our next topic. We're gonna talk about Memphis and Tennessee a little bit. But we are so desperate for college football. Dude, we're going to take the other football and run with it because we don't have anything else. Both our baseball teams are good, but they're, like, not great. They're not going to catch the Dodgers. They're not going to catch the Yankees. They're not going to catch the Rock, the Astros. They're not going to catch any of those teams. So we had the Women's World Cup, and now we have SEC Media Days and AAC Media Days. Like, we don't have anything else to cheer on. So shout out to our Women's World Cup. They beat the Netherlands two to nil, and Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan are America like they're American legends. Like they're just without a doubt American legends. Yeah, and going off that just for a second, I know we hadn't really set this in as a slate, but if you have a problem with being confident at that level and celebrating to that extent when you're on that stage, then 
I really couldn't care less about your opinion because if you reach the pinnacle of a sport like that and you just come through in the clutch like they did so many times, you deserve to just strut your stuff, do whatever in the world you want, spread your arms out like Rapino, celebrate in whatever way you deem necessary, obviously without maybe going too vulgar. But, you know, just, just have fun with it because you are on the world stage and kicked butt, and they did because I mean, we sure as heck know our men's team is never going to be there. Like they're like, unless they combine Memphis nine hundred one FC and Nashville six one five FC, like there's no way in heck that the men's team right. will ever win a World Cup. So shout out to our women. Like that, Alex Morgan. I do want to get your opinion on that. What did you think about Alex Morgan's little uh, teacup thing? The, you know, the the backlash was terrible. Personally, I loved it. I I really did. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I, I, I yeah. truly thought that that was like saying, hey, we're America. And just like Toby Key says, we're going to put a boot in your butt. Like, we're yeah, here. And, to and two days before the 4th of July, I mean, you cannot beat that. Yeah, happy, uh, you know, taxation without reputation or rep- representation, Britain. There you go. Just go like, ahead and, happy. you know, after she, after she puts the tea up to her mouth, just go ahead and toss that right on in the harbor. Good job. Yeah, I mean, shout out to her, dude. So... I don't even know how we got off on uh, – oh, we started talking about the ESPYs. So here's yeah. the thing. Everybody needs to check out that World Golf Championship. We're going to have more about that next week when our boy Tiger Woods announces he's coming to Memphis. Like if Tiger Woods comes, we are going to have to do a podcast without a doubt with Tiger Woods' interview somehow in there. Yes. Like that would be absolutely phenomenal to have Tiger Woods. Even like just saying Memphis is lit. Like that would be right. awesome. Like, that'll be that our intro, be, bottom line, Tiger Woods. That would be unparalleled. Like, especially if, like, would, if you sit down for, like, enter, a we would enter, interview. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we would enter legendary status if we had Tiger Woods. Like, without a doubt. Second yeah, episode, I would, Tiger Woods. What do you think about Memphis? Yeah, it's pretty lit. Just yeah. see how we'd be, a, I mean, that, like, just the thought of it, like, I'm just going, okay, that'd be kind of cool. Like Tiger yeah. Woods, Memphis is lit. So what's next? Whatever. Like, here's the thing. Okay, here's a disclaimer before we go any further. To our listeners, Jake and I, we love sports. And so we have a docket. We have a plan. But we are more than likely going to get off that plan. So that's the beauty of this podcast. Tell them where they can find you on Twitter before we go any farther. So, so guys, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at J Nichols, J-N-I-C-H-O-L-S underscore Two one two one. You can find my boy Mitch at Mitch Davis underscore eight. I believe that's correct. Shout out, baby. The underscores, yes, sir. All right. So, hey, maybe maybe we should rename it to that. Just the under. No, that's stupid. <laughs> no, I think that that has kind of like I'm not a I'm not a wrestling fan. I I'm sorry, Memphis, but I'm not a wrestling fan by any means. But that had it kind of has like a WrestleMania WWE like Jerry Lawler type crap going on. You know what? You know what the Grizzlies do on like what is it like Friday or Saturday nights? But they have their wrestling nights and they wear the city edition uniform. We should like do that and then just come in as like a tagged team of the underscores and try to like face off against whatever like fan people they have working for them. Dude, that'd actually be kind of fun. Like, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if the Grizzlies would like listen to the podcast and be like, all right, bet we're gonna grant these guys credentials because we know the Predators probably will because the Predators are cool. But, like, the Grizzlies, we'll just have to play with the NBA and see what's up. 
Don't say they're not cool. Then you're definitely not going to get us credentials. I mean, yeah, the Grizzlies are awesome. But we need to start winning some more games. Like, yeah. come on. Like, we need to start winning. And, like, just we need to start winning again. Because we need to make Memphis great again. Yeah. Because Penny, Penny, Penny is doing that. So we need to have the Grizzlies do that with the, with the NBA team. Yeah. Come on, Taylor Jenkins. You can do it. We believe in you. Yeah. We can definitely. Well, I, I know nothing about Taylor Jenkins. That's, that's what's sad. But, you know, he's, he's from a blue-collar blue type atmosphere. So come in here and grind it out, and let's, uh, let's play Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Yeah. So going off that, um, what do you say we get into? You touched on it a little bit earlier, but, man, just a little over 40 days till kickoff. Let's talk some football. Dude, I'm so ready for football season. Let's talk it, baby. So, getting into this a little bit. Tennessee, obviously, going into the season. I think I heard from the other day, Chad Withrow um, on 104.5 said that this is the least expectation that he has seen for Tennessee football in quite some time. Just just because the fan base really isn't, the, the passion isn't there so far in this offseason and I think I would agree with that but it's also but people are calmer right now about Tennessee football because they've got Jeremy Pruitt they've got um, a sound mind running this team they've got Jim Chaney obviously a solid mind running this offense and Jarrett Garantano a lot of big names coming back Um, obviously Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor on the defensive side of the football are really anchors for that secondary but I think people are very hesitant to book this team as an eight-win team, maybe even a seven-win team. But I do think that the confidence is there, that people just don't want to kind of put the cart before the horse. Uh, yeah, put the cart before the horse and really um, set them set themselves up for failure again because we've seen what that can do in the past. You know, Jake, and, and it's funny you mentioned a little bit that this is kind of like the lowest of – Expectation. This is probably the quietest I've heard Tennessee football fans since 1998. And I, and I right. mean that very sincerely, but I haven't heard anything crazy. Like, right. and, and usually on the, on this side of the state, you hear guys like Clay Travis come through and say, uh, Tennessee's going to beat Alabama this year. And like, nobody's saying anything. So I don't know if that's right. a good thing or if that's just the fact that you guys are flying the white flag, right? Because now down here in the 901, you flip that. Memphis is set to have their best season of all time. Like they're set to win the American. They're set to get a New Year's Six Bowl, and they're favored in all 13 of the games that they have this season. Right. So I mean, you know, I, I it, it's very interesting because you and I had a podcast last week on my show where we said this is just a weird feeling that Tennessee football has around its program. So let, let, let's talk about that. You're in Knoxville. What, why do you think that is? And do you think Tennessee fans will come back to that kind of swagger that they once had? I do think so. I think it's going to take another year or so of time. But I think that Jim Chaney being back at the helm of that offense is a very, very big step. Um, I saw the other day Peter Burns from the SEC Network had a tweet and he and a fan were interacting about um, just about the thoughts of Tennessee's football program and just the offense specifically and how much Jim Chaney has impacted uh, the Tennessee offensive game. And Jarrett Garantano responded to it. He didn't say anything except one word because 
they had asked, you know, I wonder how much Jim Chaney has impacted Jarrett Garantano's game. He replied and said lots. So that one word response just tells it all about the impact that he's having over there, the Vols passing game. So I think that it's really, um, it's going to be improved and that Tennessee fans have a lot to look forward to, but maybe not quite this season, maybe put that on hold for another year. And then they'll really be able to get back to that pinnacle of where they were at least in early 2000s and then maybe a little longer back to 1998. You know, what are the reasonable expectations for this season for Tennessee? I mean, I know they got Jared Gantanum back and Juwan Jennings back on offense. What is the reasonable expectations for the Vols heading into this 2019 season? I'm going to go seven and five. Um, I'll give, I'll put seven and five as my average the high would be eight and four. Low is six and six. I, I could see that. I, I think Tennessee's back in the bowl game. I think the stretch of when you guys have to play Kentucky, I think that that Kentucky game is going to be such a crucial game because I think the loser right. finishes up seven and five and the winner finishes up eight and four, nine and three. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, once you look at Tennessee overall, I think, you kind of have to, and I'm not just saying this because it's Kentucky. I think, you know, you kind of have to look at Kentucky and go, all right, we have to measure up to what Mark Stoops and company has been doing up in the bluegrass. And I think Tennessee is kind of slowly catching back up with Kentucky, especially after winning last, uh, last season's game. Yeah, that win last season was very, very big. A lot more dominant for Tennessee than I expected, honestly, considering how well Benny Snell had been playing coming into that, but the Vols were just able to, you know, shut him down and really shut down that Kentucky offense. And Jarrett Garantano had a much bigger game than I expected as well. But I think that one very pivotal game for Tennessee last, or, or two of them rather, were the Auburn game, obviously a huge win on the road uh, down there on the Plains, but then also the Georgia game. Now, while Tennessee lost that Georgia game, after that game, I was sitting in the press conference, I believe in the second row underneath Sanford Stadium. Jeremy Pruitt had tears in his eyes because of the way that his team fought in that game. Now, again, they didn't win. The loss ended up looking a little bit lopsided, but there for a while, Tennessee had Georgia almost where they wanted them, and it looked like they were about to make it a game. And then, of course, the dogs just ended up pulling away at the end but the fight that Tennessee showed in that game is something that made Jeremy Pruitt proud and it was something that it seemed like he had finally reached that point with this team all right this is you know this is what I've been searching for this is the mentality that I've wanted these guys to have all along and they finally seem to get it even though it doesn't show on the scoreboard so I think that that's something to really count on going into this season is that players have really bought in under Jeremy Pruitt and that they're really adopting that philosophy of being able to finish out games um, no matter what the scoreboard says. You know, looking ahead at the y'all schedule a little bit, I think the crucial, everybody talks about a four to five game swing. I think is when Tennessee travels to Gainesville, has Georgia at home, Mississippi State at home, travels to Tuscaloosa, and travels to South Carolina. Now, if Tennessee can find a way how to go three and five in that, I think Tennessee has a very good shot at eight and four. Now, if they lose yes. four out of the five, I think you're looking at six of six. You know, I, that 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 stretch of from Florida to South Carolina, that whole month-long stretch is so crucial for the volunteer season. Right. 
And they have a bye week, it looks like, right before Georgia. So that could help the Vols heading into that Georgia game. But I do think Georgia's going to be one of the top teams in the SEC again this season. Yeah. Actually, that, uh, that bye week, I believe, if I'm wrong, then I'll probably get chewed out for this later. I believe that bye week is whenever my cousin is getting married. So I've got that circle for um, other reasons, obviously. <laughs> but again, if I'm wrong, and Sylvie, if you happen to be listening to this, I'm very sorry, and I will buy you a cookie or something. So now here, and I hear, here's the thing. Sorry for your cousin here. Shout out to my girlfriend here. But why in the world is somebody scheduling a wedding during the fall, bro? Like, come on now. I, that's why they did it during the bye week, at least because. Okay, funny story. Um, quick little sidetrack from the scheduling, although it does pertain to it. I was going to a cousin's wedding a couple years ago down in Memphis at the Botanical Gardens. Obviously, uh, you know as well as I do, a great location. So we hit up Huey's before the game. That was the day that Tennessee played Texas A&M in College Station. Obviously, that ended up being a very, very interesting game. Went into two or three overtimes, I believe, if I'm correct. Maybe even four. Yeah. So we went to Huey's before the game, you know, or before the wedding, excuse me. Watched a little bit of the game and then went over – the wedding was right in the middle of, I believe, the second quarter So is when it started. So we went in, and I'm kind of sitting on the back row watching on my phone with one of my uncles. And so then we go to the reception, and of all of my family, so the bride's family, we're all talking about, hey, what's the score, you know, what's going on, stuff like that. Somebody from the groom's family comes over and was like, oh, are you guys watching, like, baseball? Like... And I just kind of looked at him, and I'm like, it's September, or, like, it's, it's the fall. Like, no. And he's like, oh, what game are you watching? Tennessee and Texas A&M, and we're in overtime. Like, shut up. I'm trying to watch. Please. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, and I, and I have made this very clear, and I know that she's going to listen, and she might kill me for this. But I told her from September through the 1st of April, because, you know, can Kentucky and Memphis basketball, shout out, is off limits. Like, I was like, I am an active member of society from the second week of April up until the last week of August. Now, give or take some baseball here and there, but that is pretty much the, like, God's holy time of the year is from the start of college football to the end of the Final Four because my teams are usually in the Final Four. So, you know... I can't even imagine like having a fall wedding. I just can't do it. Absolutely no. not. Like that's just, no. and I'm sure that's the same thing with your girlfriend. And I'm sorry to both of our girlfriends for this, but like weddings are off limits here in the fall. Like they're no, just, that's yeah, we've, we've, we've already discussed um, that for, for down the road. And it is definitely not going to be in the fall because <laughs> she actually, um, um, so, funny story, our first football game together, we went to the Appalachian State-Tennessee game back in 2016. So, this will tell you about the type of person that I'm dating because we're sitting there in Tennessee and Appalachian State are playing, and it's getting pretty close. You know, App State, I think, took a like a 13-point lead there for a while. They were, they were cruising there for a minute. She got so upset that she starts squeezing her phone out of stress, ended up cracking the screen. That's awesome. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I even got okay. Here's the thing, and I know that she's listening. And probably, like I said, probably will kill me. 
I took uh, took my girlfriend to a Kentucky game, right? First ever Kentucky game she had ever been to was a South Carolina game last year. And she got so into it. She had a pom-pom and literally was like bouncing that pom-pom up and up and down Kroger Field. And after we won, like we posted up everywhere, throwing up our fives up after beating South Carolina for five straight years. So she kind of understood what she was getting into when she started dating me. Mm-hmm. Kinda. That, that, kinda. She experienced uh, Memphis and Kentucky basketball season with me, and uh, I don't know if she's recovered yet. Yeah, um, I I do feel bad for her after hearing that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like it. That and and here's the thing. Here's a quick backstory. Then we're gonna get back on track because we've got to stay on track somehow, some way. So all the people listening. Yes, I, I grew up a Kentucky fan. Yes, I grew up a Memphis fan. Half the family's Memphis. Half the family's Kentucky. Keep everybody happy. Like both teams. Support both teams. So if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter and give me heck for it, Mitch Davis underscore eight. And I actually write for Rivals.com, Tiger Sports Report. So at me. Like, come at me. Let's do this thing. What now? I said, let's do this thing. If somebody wants to come at me talk about how I'm not a Kentucky to Memphis fan, let's do this thing. Man, that's like almost in in Iron Man where Tony Stark gave him his address. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I live in Memphis. I love the Tigers. I love the Wildcats. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They're both very awesome fan bases. They're both very passionate basketball fan bases. But whatever. Speaking of the Tigers, we got to talk about Tiger football since we mentioned the Vols. What is your take about Tiger football in, in, the, in the Knoxville area? What are people, what are you hearing around the state of Tennessee? I'm not, we'll, we'll go into the Memphis side of things next, but what are you hearing around the state of Tennessee about Memphis football? I'll be honest, right now, um, crickets. I do hear that, uh, that Mike Norvell is doing well, but I haven't really heard a lot of buzz about Memphis just because I know that they were eight and six last year. Um, obviously, a close loss in the American championship game to UCF but I do think that Mike Norvell is building something special down there and I do have um, a very interesting tidbit from my conversation with Navy Schuler. whenever I talked to him for your high school sports by the way quick plug be sure and go follow us for all your East Tennessee um, overall Southeast sports needs for high school football at yhss.magazine so be sure and go Give that a follow. So for that interview, I went over to Arden, North Carolina to talk to Navy and to talk to his dad, former Tennessee quarterback, Heath Schuler. And whenever I was talking to them about Navy's offers, Memphis had just become one of the last offers that uh, he had gotten over the summer. And so, you know, I asked him about Norvell and about Coach Johns and both Navy and Heath were very, very complimentary of the way that they run their offense and just seemed really cool glowing in their reviews of what Norvell has been able to do and about what the Memphis offense is going to look like um, in a few months, in a few years, even with Navy being a part of Appalachian State now. You know, that Memphis offense, despite losing Daryl Henderson, I actually just posted an article about how I think, you know, Memphis football and they're set for a breakout year. Despite losing guys like Tony Pollan and like Daryl Henderson, Memphis returns mostly everybody back on the defensive side. They also got back 
Brady White at quarterback. They've also got Pat Taylor at running back coming back, and they've also got DeMonte Coxey coming back in the wide receiver slot. So I think Memphis is kind of sitting right here. UCF is going to have a down year. And so it's the year of the Tigers. I mean, when they open up with Ole Miss, who we both know is struggling, like Ole Miss is going to be terrible. Then they've got Southern University at South Alabama Navy. That's the first four games. I see the Tigers going 4-0, and and only one of those is a road game at South Alabama. Now, I think the stretch of between, let's just say, at Temple – to probably going to Houston because there's only two um, there's only one home game in the month of October and that's Tulane which Tulane's really not much if the Tigers can sweep that little stretch between Temple and when they go on the road to Houston the Tigers could be looking at going possibly 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one with a New Year's Six Bowl game on the line depending on who they play in the American Athletic Championship game which will probably end up being UCF or Houston But when you look at yeah, when you look at Memphis's schedule, they open up with Ole Miss. You know they've got Navy on a Thursday night. They've got SMU at home, which SMU is still kind of coming off the probation error. And then you've got right. Cincinnati on that Black Friday. Memphis is kind of set up to have a really good year, and their road games: Louisiana Monroe, South Alabama, Temple, Tulsa, Houston, and USF. Those are all very winnable games, and the Tigers should be favored in every single game they play in this football season. And so I think the buzz around the city of Memphis and the buzz around the university is, hey, we're sitting right here on a gold mine, and Memphis football is right here on the come up. And, you know, Memphis football could be right there and, and, and breaking through here in the next year or so. Yeah, I think so. I think that um... – What's holding me back is the record from last season, just the eight and six finish. But I do think that they're going to be pretty good this year. I'm going to say more, uh, more along the lines of what I had for UT. Maybe, uh, maybe give me nine and three with without Daryl Henderson. But I do agree that they'll be uh, pretty good. But I think that, um, I think that overall the level of excitement in Tennessee right now does trend more toward Memphis but hey while we're talking about football teams in the state of Tennessee if I'm being honest this is hard to say um having gone to the University of Tennessee but man what about Vanderbilt right now I think Vanderbilt's one I think Vanderbilt if they are not the best team in the state of Tennessee I think they're right there I think they're better than Tennessee I think they're on the same level as Memphis when you look at Vanderbilt They've beaten Tennessee, what, two, three straight years, if I'm not mistaken? Vanderbilt, they keep recruiting. They're under the radar because nobody ever hears about their players because they're all wicked smart. They're ten times smarter than you and I combined. But they're good athletes. They're Kyle Shuler. They're Jay Cutler. They're Zach Stacey. They're these guys you never hear about, but they overperform at Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt – has good years. I mean, they went to the Texas Bowl this year. They beat Tennessee this year for the second straight year. I mean, Vanderbilt and and just like MTSU, MTSU scares me this year. I you know oh, yeah. I'm happy oh, that yeah. the only Tennessee team that plays MTSU is Vanderbilt because you know when you look at MTSU, they're one of those teams that went into Kentucky last year and took Kentucky all the way down to the wire. You know, I mean. They did. You know, and shout out to the Vanderbilt baseball team as well. I mean, Vanderbilt baseball, just like our USA women's soccer team, they completely dominated in that uh, in that College World Series. But I, you know, 
when I look at Vanderbilt, I'm, I'm just going to go with the safe, Bill still bet and say seven wins. I think Vanderbilt gets seven wins this season. I'd agree with that. But, man, while we're talking about the College World Series for a second, obviously, like, college baseball this year, can we just talk about how great that was? But then also how awesome it was. I don't know if you saw that, where Donnie Everett's parents were on the field celebrating with the team after they won, um, after they beat Michigan to win the World Series. You know, Jake, I'm, I'm not an emotional guy, but when I saw that video after, I was like, man, this is somebody cut the onions because it was so <laughs> it, it was so awesome. You know, and, and, you know, and you and I have talked and we talked at the uh, University of Memphis and Tennessee basketball game. There are certain moments in sports where you're just kind of take a step back and say, man, this is why we do what we do. This is why we are in sports. This is why we want to work in sports because of those moments and those special moments that transcend across a whole lifetime. And when you have, uh, you know, Mr. Everett's dad and, you know, mom on the field with the team after those, that was one of those moments. And you have to give a special shout out to coach Corbin and the Vanderbilt baseball team for honoring that and saying, look, you guys are part of our family. You guys come into the Vanderbilt the Vandy boys family and you come in and you're one of us, you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's something that speaks tremendously for coach Corbin and company. I do think so as well. So before we get uh, too off track again, I think that you had mentioned the March, the March madness bit a little bit ago, just about how you kind of, you know, shut down through football and basketball season, which I'm the exact same way, but we did have a very special first interview um, for our podcast. Wayne Chisholm, the former Tennessee basketball star, led the Vols to their first Elite Eight appearance in school history, is now playing overseas, I believe, uh, from what I said, talked to him the other day about, um, pretty sure in Lebanon. Um, yeah. I could be wrong, but I will look that up just to, just to be safe after. But last season played in Bahrain, and he seems to really be doing well. But we had a fantastic interview. With, so let's go ahead and give a listen to that before we finish up here. Yeah, that was, you know, before we get into that, that was such a cool interview. And special shout out to Wayne Chisholm for coming on. And, you know, we're going to try to get you guys before we wrap up here and we play the podcast interview for you guys with Wayne. We're going to try to get you guys interviews with some of the biggest names in, in college athletics and high school athletics here in the state of Tennessee, whether that's at Memphis or whether that's at UT or Vanderbilt, NTSU, Union, uh, Belmont, and, and, and everybody in between, we're going to try to get you some of the bigger interviews to come on this podcast and talk about their school or talk about their franchise, whether that's the Grizzlies or Predators or uh, the Memphis Redbirds and so on. And I, and I think that's something that uh, you and I both are going to enjoy, Jake. And I think that special shout out to all of our fans. Uh, they can look us up. We're on Twitter at TriStar Takedown and on Facebook at TriStar Takedown. So type it in there. We're going to share the podcast on there. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy our interview with Wayne Chisholm. All right, hold on a right, second. So you can. Education-wise, that's what really closed me on it. 
Tennessee. I know there was coming up in basketball and football at those times, like, dominant, and it was great. But the uh, way Coach Brown gives the education to Tennessee dudes, uh, about University of Tennessee made me feel very comfortable going there. But that's what I was basically doing, focusing on education. The basketball was still there, and I took got scholarship for basketball as well. Um, yeah, just kind of right off the bat. So, Wayne, obviously we've known each other for a while now, but you know I was at the Tennessee-Memphis game this year um, in Memphis. So take me back, if you would, to that pivotal game so many years ago whenever you guys came into Memphis and were able to take down uh, Calipari to become number one. Take me into that pregame atmosphere, and do you think that that compared to the one this year at all, or do you think that the one this season, kind of that rivalry renewed, compared um, to what you guys experienced whenever you became number one? I think the rivalry gets more stronger as the, as the seasons go on, as this uh, rivalry go on, as more players will come in. But at that time, to walk in and that pregame, walking into Memphis Theater Street, everything was sold out. It was, I mean, it was packed. Orange and blue all up and down the street. We stayed at the Western which was right there, West End, sorry. It was right across the street from FedEx Forum, and it was it was it was a great sight to see, especially walking in there. The atmosphere was awesome, and before coming out for football, you know the energy, the the uh, the loud the fans how they going, it just made the game more energetic. And the way we came out on fire, and they came out on fire, the game was so tough that we every both of us big shots at each other to see who's going to go down first, but when it got to the second half of the last couple of minutes, we stand still strong to every hit, and we came out to, uh, with the better hit at the end. You know, let's talk about that Memphis and Tennessee robbery. I know Jake does some more questions. This is from a Memphis standpoint. Do you like the robbery? And what do you think about Penny Hardaway and Thomas about this moment? Let's say even the Tennessee program. Do you think that it's good for the robbery, or do you think that, you know, guys guys like Penny or guys like other, you know, media guys need to tone it down a little bit and kind of keep it in perspective? You yeah, know, you guys need to tone it down, but from my uh, perspective as an athlete and uh, for being the passion by basketball, I like to talk, you know. That, that right there makes the rivalry more big, more stronger, more uh, energetic. It just makes it more big, you know, if, if, if there's no trash talk, then how can it be a strong rock, you know, but if, I don't think we would take it as personal back in the day as the, the media is taking and everybody is taking nowadays because that back in the day we would have took that as screwers, not just us. You can see that what he's doing is Great. So, about what he said about Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes is a classic coach. He's a uh, coach that none of the stuff can really phase him. All he's going to do is make him go in there and work harder, make his team work harder, and make the rivalry even more stronger. Now, that game is 2008. You played against a former Bolivar uh, guy as well, Will Kemp. Was there any type of match talk going on between you guys before that game? Or was there any type of talk going on between you guys about Memphis and Tennessee and going back and forth? It's always like that. You know, we played together in high school, 
And we were still rivalry before I even joined up with them when I was at Southside. We still, the way that still goes on today, it still happens because our hearts is with our schools. We really dedicate a lot of our time, our effort, our, our passion, our love, our sweat, blood, and everything to those schools. So where the, the way the rivalry goes really talks and we talk. And uh, I actually, we still do talk about the rivalry and still make it think we want to come out with a better record at the end of the rivalry. So I'm up right now, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good on that. <laughs> I, I tell you, Madam, you know, Jake knows this. We talked about this rivalry. Uh, Rick Barnes, I don't know if Rick Barnes had anything to do with this. But University of Tennessee arrived at a billboard here in Memphis, right off 55 South. It says heading towards campus, the wealth in the big one country, and that has caused a lot of, you know, a little bit of rift, you know, in between Tennessee and Memphis guys. And it's been fun. It's been fun for Jake and I to kind of go back and forth talking about that as well. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I like this. I like you putting out big old orange stamp in your blue nation down there in Memphis. So that's great. That shows that we, you know, we ain't afraid to come down there and put anybody that's not Tennessee is always going to be. So, you know, uh, for Memphis people to see, you know, they, get, they just can't wait for the game to get, at least try to get paid. The big game is higher up on the billboard up here in Niceville to try to take a good uh, a punch back. So that'd be great. <laughs> I feel you, Jake. I know you got a lot of stuff for your guys. Yeah, so Wayne, um, when you talked about Rick Barnes a little bit, obviously there was a lot of controversy this offseason with the whole um, UCLA offer. Can you tell me, just from your perspective, what would it have been like for you as a player, um, whether it's Bruce Pearl or really any other coach, um, if you were still within that program, to see him entertain such an offer and then eventually come back, but still admit that it was probably because of the financial or lack of financial incentive that he stayed with your program. What kind of effect do you think that would have on the players that are still in this Tennessee basketball program, um, considering that he stayed at UT instead of uh, leaving for UCLA? Well, let, let me just want to see if can a lot of work when it changes program around and keep it in the top, 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 top ranks the top-ranked teams and keep the name Tennessee mentioned a lot in NCAAs. And uh, through all the talking, what about the, the UCLA thing? It was about family at the end. And he made a great home here, so he didn't want to leave family to go to somewhere uh, not familiar with. I mean, you know, it was about the security. Well, you want to go be secured? You stayed at home. It, we get So, Wayne, obviously, um, I'm not really sure how you feel about this. I never really got a chance to ask you in person either. But considering your relationship with Bruce Pearl and just being able to play for him while you were at UT, can you tell me about the emotion, the emotions that you felt watching him lead Auburn to the Final Four this year 
knowing that UT was kind of on the precipice of that in the Elite Eight a while ago whenever you played against Michigan State, but also just being able to see him have that success? Um, I'm very proud of, you know, through all the ups and downs we had at Tennessee, was, I mean, the, 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 the great outweighs the bad. Uh, he taught me a lot of things as a growing up as being a person, as a man, uh, mentally and uh, emotionally. He helped me grow up a lot. Watching him do what he did in the, in the SEC tournament, he made runs. He played four days in a row. We've done that with him, but we just never can get over the hump. And he got over the hump finally. And watching his team beat Tennessee the way they did, I know Coach Pearl had his, had his mind on that, on that the whole time he thought he was going to play Tennessee in the championship game. And once he got to the tournament, Coach Pearl got a switch that he can turn on. He turns into a different guy when it comes to the tournament because the tournament means a lot. Right. You know, uh, tournaments is it's like a great thing for a resume. It's just like making the tournaments like almost winning a championship for a, a team because if you don't win championships or have good success, how can you be a great coach? And Coach Pearl went through a lot and became, and now he's back on top where he was when he was with Tennessee. And for him to get to the final four and the way he had his guys playing after a guy got went down with a terrific injury, it's just like that with that Chris Lofton. Coach Pearl pulled, we pulled something out of his hat. We played good. And he did the same thing with his team in the tournament for the final four. My big guy went down like his main guy. And guess what he did? He great coach that can make his team play. So you mentioned Chris Lofton. If you would, I know that um, you're going to be playing overseas again this year. Take me through where you are in your career, and then if you have any updates just on any um, classic uh, Tennessee guys from back in the late 2000s, you know, Chris Lofton, J.P. Prince, Brian Williams, if you have any updates on just any of them on um, just what they're, what they're doing in life, really, just because I know that a lot of Tennessee fans that are going to be listening to this would love to hear updates on them as well. Yeah, man, uh, it's my 11th season. Uh, I'm happy to be where I'm at. I'm finally in a place in my career where I can be stable and be happy and play without causing a lot of injury to my arm, to my body. Uh, I love being in the Middle East. I've been there the last five, five, past three years. I love playing in Asia, played in Asia the last five before that. So, you know... Finding your way around playing overseas is very tough, but me, I'm very used to it. I love it. I really call overseas my second home more than I would be here. Uh, Brian Williams still playing. He got a Dominican passport, so he's doing citizenship. I got a uh, Bahraini passport. We do a citizenship in Bahrain. Uh, JP still playing. Um, he was just in Europe. Tyler Smith still playing. He was just in Europe and Turkey. Um, Kenny Hall just got through working out playing the tournaments with him this summer. He just got from Qatar. So, Scotty Hobson, you know, he's still doing his two-way thing in the NBA. Uh, There's a lot of guys who are still doing their thing. They're still playing basketball, and a lot of people think that we all have stopped. But, no, the passion that we got for this game, and we still communicate with each other, the game of basketball is our life. That is our job, not a hobby. It's what supports us and makes us happy. So going off that, um, there is, I think, one more person that maybe not a lot of people know about, but had a very big shot against Kansas back whenever you played at UT. Do you know anything about Skyler McBee? Uh, 
that's my man right there. Scott is the guy, man. Uh, Scott came in. I'm talking about his name. He came in uh, as a walk-on, which maybe his name was Big uh, in East Tennessee. I'm talking about Big because the guy can shoot. And he came in as a walk-on. He worked his butt off. I mean, he worked his tail off to get the time to play. And when the opportunity came through some unfortunate events, um, he stepped up to the plate. And playing with walk-ons that are guys that are D1 caliber players, instead of calling them walk-ons, those are D1 players. Those are athletes that came in and just didn't get scholarship. Right. So I give them mad respect because they went through the harshest of harshest of practices with us. I mean, they did more. They had to work harder than we did. They had to spend more time than we did. And that personality blended right in with us. And I'm telling you, his attitude, his, his fight in the games, when we when we got pumped up, he got pumped up. And for him to shoot the way he did, especially in Kansas game, Kentucky game, he did the exact same thing. You can never doubt a walk-on player that got time to play and prove that he's more than just a walk-on player. He is a D1 athlete and uh, not just no Division two or Juco player or anything like that. He's a D1 athlete, and for him to prove that he was and he earned his scholarship the way he did with a tough Kentucky game, he did the exact same thing. You can never doubt a walk-on player that got time to play and prove that he's more than just a walk-on player. He is a D1 athlete and uh, not just no Division two or Juco player or anything like that. He's a D1 athlete, and for him to prove that he was and he earned his scholarship the way he did with a tough, tough team that he was actually practicing on and playing against and and, and, and being a part of show how much character and class that that kid has. Awesome answer. And then just one last thing for you, and then we'll let you go. Um, I can probably ask you some of this stuff if we end up, uh, which, Mitch, you can probably edit, or we can edit this out, but just whenever we go eat tonight or whenever um, we can, you know, hash this out. But um, just one more thing for um, on the air. If you could tell me from all your time at Tennessee, from the games that I got to see in person, from the NCAA tournaments, SEC tournaments, the big wins in the regular season. If you had to pick one singular memory that really sticks out to you, that's one of your favorites, what would it be? Well, that's a tough one right there, man. But I'm going to call it my freshman year, man, and that was me not knowing if I was actually going to be mid-shirted or if I was actually going to get any time to play because I was behind a, a three-time All-SEC center you know, major wing gate. And I called him call and they were at a meeting with Coach Pearl and says, Wayne, we, you, you will have to start this year. And as a freshman going against Al Horford, you know, Joe Kim, Noah, Greg Oden, those guys my freshman year, made me feel that I made the right decision of going to Tennessee, made it my right choice of playing college basketball and made me a better player and the player that I am today because of that and very quick. All right, I think that'll that'll do it for me. Mitch, you got anything else? Yeah, Wayne, I've got one last question for you. You know, as we look ahead to the future of Tennessee basketball and under the head coach of the Barnes and athletic director, where do you where do you see the program not only in five years but also in ten years? And it's finally that getting over that hurdle of an SEC championship or going to the Final Four. 
in that five to ten year plan for the University of Tennessee basketball program? Yeah, I see it happening um, because I, I really wish and I want these kids to 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 beat to beat the beat our records. You know, we want them to beat our records so that when they play on TV, they don't get compared to our class. You know, and that's just what happened this year. They kept getting compared to uh, the 2008 team. There's no comparison because these guys are different. There's different athletes, different coaches, style, different, you know, different times, you know. Uh, and for the season in the future, you can see they're making a progress to get there. All we got to do is get over that one more hump to sweep 16 and over the lead eight to, to, to fulfill that kind of full board that Tennessee never been at. And I see it's coming in the near future with the recruiting class of how Coach Barnes is doing. And I see it's coming. It's coming very soon. But this year, it was very close. And I, I told some of the players, we was wishing for y'all to beat us. We wanted y'all to beat it, you know, because we, we want Tennessee to, to, to succeed. And uh, they wouldn't be able to succeed without the guys they have now. Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. I know, Jake, you probably got a lot of closing words for me. Yeah. Um, just – Dude, you know, we've been boys for a while now. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. No, it's no problem, man. Just knowing you since you was little and uh, being with you and you've been watching me play basketball and being my fan for sticking through with me through the ups and downs as I did with you. We more than just friends and we family. You're my brother and I, re- I do anything for you. I really appreciate this time you let me do your podcast for you, man. Oh, wait. Before we go... um. I, you'll probably enjoy this. Tell Mitch about um, about the the situation at the hotel with those wings, with the autograph. Whenever, like after the after that game. Oh, that is hilarious, man! I mean, we we was having we was having dinner. I think dinner or lunch, even where it was, we was eating, and the kids was coming over and asking for an autograph. And I'm so smashing wings, barbecue sauce everywhere, hot sauce. <laughs> It was just a good day. And the kids came and asked, Did you have an autograph? And I was like, uh, I ain't got no pen. So I just took the chicken with barbecue sauce and signed the autograph with it. So <laughs> 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 it was one of the funniest moments. And I'm saying, Jake was like, This is not the first time this happened with a chicken wing and barbecue sauce. <laughs> 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 Listen to a couple of your story. I'm a basketball junkie, man. I, I grew up a Kentucky fan and grew up a Memphis fan. I'm from Memphis, and half the family from Memphis, half the family from Kentucky. So, yeah, I, I mean, take your brain a little bit and just listen to you. Yeah, anytime, man. Jake got my number. Just give me a call, man. We can set up something, and uh, it's easy to meet up. We can do that. Man, thank you so much for coming on. No problem, man. Anytime. All right, I'll talk to you later, bro. All right, man. Thanks. All right, see you. I've been Mitch Davis, your host, and my co-host, Jake Nichols. Jake, tell them where they can find you on Twitter as we wrap this thing up. Go follow me at jnichols, J-N-I-C-H-O-L-S, underscore 2121. And be sure and also give a follow to Your High School Sports and Your High School Sports, the magazine on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all of your high school sports needs throughout the Tennessee area and the state.
Yeah, you're going to definitely be wanting to follow us later in the year for some high school coverage. We, we'll, we'll say that much. Uh, we, we, we're looking into some high school coverage. So you'll be wanting to follow both of us on Twitter. I'm Mitch Davis. Find me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. All right.